celebrate good times. Come on. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. Oh, no, I didn't put my phone on silent. <laughs> that timing was perfect, though. Power through? Power through? Or power through? Power through. Power through. Podcast pros. <laughs> Podcast pros. My name's CJ Schrader. I'm a level two from Smyrna, Georgia. This is episode number 69. <laughs> As always. <laughs> my two cool co-hosts. First up, we got Jess Dunks. Hey, everybody. This is Jess. And Brian Prillman. Giggity, giggity. <laughs> Let's dive right into the news. Yes. Uh, we got even more level three judges because we always have more level three judges. I'd like to congr- congratulate Josh Stansfield. He's a Bimmerbot on IRC, although he hasn't been on there in a while. And uh, Casey Brefka, who is KCB on IRC. Oh. And, uh, and, uh, no. Eh? There's there's too many L3s. Like, we can't... We're using up so much show space announcing what? level 3s every episode. I think what? at this point, we're just going to have to say, if you want to know who the level 3s are, you got to check on the Judge apps. Are you, are you, are you sure we can't just, you know... Because, I mean, there were some L3s that... There's too many. Past... It's just too many. Too many L3s. We're going to have to stop doing this. You sure? I yeah, mean, we could have... Sure. No, could have probably. I, I mean, it, I, but... I agree with CJ. There's just there's been a lot, and I think you know, we mentioned most of them, and the other ones I wasn't that impressed with. So uh, we could um, just we could just move on. I I mean, so I guess I'm, I'm being outvoted here. <laughs> I I mean, I figured the time we spent arguing about it, we could have just finished the well. The we're, list. we're arguing about it now to save time on every future episode. <laughs> so it's a net positive. I, I I guess. <laughs> hey, so we had some magic news happen, right? Yeah. GP Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. GP Vegas. Um, <laughs> I was not there, but Justin and Brian were there. Yes. I uh, I followed it from from the outside. I followed the skyrocketing numbers and all that. So, Jess, were you were you there on Friday? I was there on Friday. Friday was terrible. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Okay. Um, I mean, really bad on Friday. So, I mean, to be to be fair, let me let me let me, have, let me just claim her that. Uh, honestly, with all of the challenges they were facing, I think that in general, Cascade Games did a really good job with this tournament. Uh, there were so many things that could have gone wrong, and there were definitely things that did go wrong, but it could have been far worse. And if you compare it to something like GP Charlotte, which was as I hear, completely terrible. This was was not as bad by comparison. So, like, they, they, it could be a whole lot worse. So, uh, okay. So I was I wasn't there on Friday. Uh, okay. I almost died getting there because my plane uh, landed on a runway too small for it. Got rerouted rerouted to Peoria. Where's that? Oh, crazy. Spain? I don't know. This was the conversation I had with the guy next to me. It's like the pilot comes on. I was like, plane's being rerouted to Peoria for refueling. The guy lives the guy next to me goes, I used to live in Peoria. I don't think that airport can handle a plane this big. And that's when I got worried. <laughs> Cause I've never I've never like I've been on a plane and you know when they land, you kind of feel them really apply the brakes. 
Um, I now have a new definition for slamming on the brakes on a plane because I think we might have skidded a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> That's pretty anyway, crazy. Anyway, so tell me, tell, tell me about, tell me about the chaos from Friday. So would you say you've had it with these mother effing brakes on this mother effing plane? No, but you can say that. Okay, I just did. Okay. You know, fine. I'll just sit here silently for 15 minutes. You guys enjoy your GP Vegas talk. GP Vegas. So what is it that you heard about Friday? Um, I heard, okay, first off, I started seeing uh, uh, information about lines forming at like 4 a.m. in the morning because of the right. playmats. Um, there was a lot of information put out, and it seems like people, you know, some of the information was changing even a few days before the event. But one of the things that that didn't change, at least to the bad, was originally it was, you know, the first 1,000, or not the first 1,000, it was the first 1,000 people that pre-registered that checked in on site would get the playmat. Right. Then they then they upped it to the first fifteen hundred who pre-registered who checked in on site on Friday would get the playmat. What a large number of Magic players heard from what I know to tell is the first fifteen hundred people who pre-registered got playmats. So as I understand it, there were a lot of people that were upset about that. Uh, uh, I understand. That so here's first come first serve. It was yeah, that was that was what I understood as well. But here's the problem: there was a lot of miscommunication. They weren't letting people into the building. Uh, unless they were either VIPs or in that line, because there was miscommunication between the people that made the decisions and the people that were standing at the door. And so we ended up like for me, for example, I really didn't care whether or not I got the playmat. I, I wasn't interested. It did like I was like, I don't want to wait in this giant line for the playmat. And it's not that interesting anyway, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the problem with that is that we were told that you had to check in for pre-registration or you wouldn't be enrolled in the event which is how there were thousands of people in line. The line wrapped itself all the way around the inside of the building several times and then wrapped all the way around or like halfway around the outside of the convention center. Uh, We waited outside for about an hour and then inside for about two hours before they announced that if you didn't want the playmat, you didn't have to wait in line. Wow. Um, Apparently, there had just been miscommunication and we'd been told that and it was it was abysmal. It was terrible. Like they turned the GP into line con. 2013. Um, wow. So that that sucked. That was bad. And that was that was I'm pretty sure from what I understand, that was a case of miscommunication uh, between the judges and the TOs. Um, so I don't I, that for me as, as a player, there was definitely the worst thing. Um, it was very, very frustrating. OK, I can uh, I can see that. I heard, I I did hear that like the the mini masters, um, uh, the mini masters uh, for modern masters were firing like all day constantly like those alone dwar- was qualified as like the second largest magic event ever um so the the main mini masters thing supposedly had uh it was only second largest in comparison to gp vegas it actually had more players than the previous largest gp in the mini right. masters event. right right and that's crazy it's awesome but it's crazy yeah so um so friday uh didn't get to didn't get to see that. I know that they were making there was something like the product arrived early about an hour before early. the mini masters. Yeah, like it came. It was supposed to be there. Like they had they had staff and judges come in on Thursday to prep the product, and it arrived Friday morning. 
Um, Apparently, so they flew it to LAX and then sent it from LA to Vegas on a truck. So it took a while. So there were there were tons of judges who all they did was you know six packs, six packs, six packs, six packs, six packs, put in a bag, yay. Um, uh, Saturday was immense. I mean, the hall was huge. They split it into four grand. Prix. essentially we had the red grand prix the blue grand prix the green grand prix and the white grand prix each with their own red shirt and an extra red shirt who you know just moved or moved around wherever was was needed um uh several people uh the whole you know what happens if someone opens a foil goif that question kept coming up a lot and they even made a special announcement um I started seeing on Facebook and stuff like that where judges were encouraging people to drop if they opened good pools. How dare they? And it's like, really? No. What we That's were actually not what they said at all. No, it was basically, you know, if you open something, you know, and you want to, you know, and you want to drop, please do so properly here instead of just getting up and leaving that right. way. We're not going to have because if you no show, like if you just scoop up your stuff and go and 30 people do that, there's going to be 30 people round one who are sitting across from an empty chair. And that sucks. I mean, you know, sure, you can you can tell yourself, oh, what's the matter? They get the win. There's a lot of people that come to GPs just to play. And you can see that by, you know, you know, like everybody else who's still in the event other than, you know, the top however many tables. You know, at the end of day one, I mean, those are people who are there to play. They don't they don't like sitting across from an empty, you know, whatever. The win isn't that doesn't mean that much to them. Um, I so heard no, we're not encouraging people to drop. We were encouraging them to if they do drop, drop correctly. It's it's my understanding that the true final number was a uh, two thousand four hundred ninety two. Does that mean only eight people dropped, or is that just... You mean 4,000. 4,000. Sorry, yeah, 4,492. Um, I don't think... I think that means... No, no. A lot more than a lot more than uh, eight people dropped. That's what I figured. I, th I think it was like 30 in my quarter alone. Um, what, I, what I think that means is there were eight no-shows. Oh, weird. Um... So I guess there were pre-regs that just didn't show up, or people people that paid their money that just didn't didn't show for whatever reason. Huh. Um, okay. So uh, Modern Masters is an incredibly fun format to judge. It's uh, a really fun format to play too. It's a very deep drafting format. Yeah. It it was it was uh, Flicker Wisp can do anything. Yeah, Flicker Wisp. Yeah, pretty much. Nuts. Um, there's really nothing that card can't do. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I had a judge call, you know, where a spectator stops and goes, do you have too many lands in play? I was like, no, flicker whisk. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the, what was the card that caused the most confusion was, I think it's testis, test of strength. Is that the. That, that is a, a test of faith. It's test, a test very of faith. card because it creates a replacement effect later on. It's like a delayed replacement. It's very weird. Yeah. So test of faith is prevent is an instant for one and a white. Prevent the next three damage that would be dealt to target creature this turn and put a plus one plus one counter on that creature for each one damage prevented this way. So the, the question that came up a lot was basically if 
I attack with a 6-6 and you block with a 3-3 and then you cast Test of Faith, is it going to kill the 6-6? Like basically, does it does it get the three counters before it deals the damage back to the creature? The answer is no, unless, you know, crazy first strikey things uh, uh, going going on. Uh, and actually, that's not a good example at all. Yeah, actually, that is. No, that's it's fine gonna, example. Yeah, it's a, it's. Um, but in this particular case, three three is going to die because it got dealt six damage. Right. Okay. Dealt three damage. You uh, oh, three. you're right. Right. You're right. Yeah. You prevented three, and then yeah. Okay. This is what happens when it's when <laughs> recording late at night. I, I know I had a judge call where uh, I had a four four, and my opponent attacks with a four four, and I block with my four four. Uh, he casts. Uh, drag down to give it minus three minus three and I cast test of faith and he's confused because it's like so you're preventing three damage and it's taking one and it's one one so it should die before it gets the counters because he didn't understand how state-based actions work and that's not an intuitive leap for players to make yeah that makes sense right so there was that I got I got to see a few people uh, uh, pass uh, pass some really good stuff um, there was one sealed pool that had a regular goif and two foil goifs in it. <sighs> um, that person did not have to drop from, and I say have to, I'm doing finger quotes. That person did not drop from the event because it was a pre-regged pool, which means a judge in the back. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, opened, wow. opened that up, <laughs> saw that, probably asked if they could drop from judging and take that as their comp <laughs> instead. Probably. Out the door. <laughs> told no registered the pool and so you know someone got that and when a judge pre-regs the pool you don't have to do a swap because it's already been you know signed off and verified and all that good stuff um so also the new policy where um we cap events at nine rounds for day one that was super awkward maybe for the players but i didn't I mean, want to I didn't want to work 12, 13 yeah, rounds. No, I, don't, I, I don't blame you. Just the fact that you could go X2 in the event and you won't make top eight is terrible. Like if I, I can go 13 and two in a 15 round event and I won't make the top eight, that's <laughs> a very frustrating situation for players. I, I'm not saying the solution is add more rounds, but there needs to be a solution that's found. That's pretty abysmal as far as the play experience is concerned. Eh. I, I kinda I kinda look at it as like if if the solution is not play more rounds, then the solution is be in the top eight. You know? Right. Right? Right? I mean the top the top eight is the, the top eight. Now, you want an abysmal situation. Oh, you're gonna love this. I was in the side event, uh um I, I'll call it the side event of misery. Um so there was a evening re GP. Uh, that I was a, a floor judge on. First off, it was on the opposite end of the hall from the scorekeeper station. So we set up a, a result slip down there, and that event hall was, think Home Depot, you know, and now make it a little bit larger and walk from, like, the the, the lumber section to the home gardening section because, you know, those things are, like, at the complete opposite ends. That's how far apart they were. There's 256, Captain 256 people. Um... It's capped at 256 people, uh, five rounds of Swiss, prizes to the top four. Uh, and a 256 person, you can go eight rounds, or sorry, you can go, uh, you can have eight undefeated people at the end of five rounds. Right. Uh, prizes to the top four. So 
Um, a lot of people were dropping from the event. The TO uh, ultimately uh, got word and decided to make it a top eight draft uh, up with Modern Masters for the the prizes and he increased he increased the prize pool so ultimately he he came down and he made it right or he made it better um but that 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 made for a lot of uh unhappy players for a while uh sunday sunday was cool i was on sides you know some of the day i assume sides were pretty crazy too uh sides were i got i got put on a two-headed giant event love 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 two-headed giant Love it. It's great. I mean, you get you get people in there that are playing for fun. They're joking. You know, some people don't really understand how two at a giant works. It's just they just grab their buddy and they get in, they open packs and they want to smash and battle and stuff like that. Uh, so What's typically I, I enjoy those those players who who they aren't they aren't necessarily taking the game so serious. They want to have fun. They want to have a good time. You can laugh and kid and joke. You know, it's great fun. Was it Modern Masters two at a giant? Uh, no, this one was it was uh, uh, it was uh, uh, Ravn- Return to Ravnica. Also, they had oh, this is great. They had a draft, a Ravnica block draft, an original Ravnica, all Japanese. So let me ask you, how comfortable do you feel judging and answering rules questions on cards that? That are judge. Six, what seven, is this card? Yeah, that's the exact judge. problem. If you ask me that, uh, I'm way too far removed from Ravnica at this point to be right. like, you know, unless it's a what Trigon Predator or whatever. If it isn't that, I'm out. I don't know what it is. Or so, uh, Taza. No, 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 I don't know what I know what like Godless Shrine is. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, some of the Oracle apps uh, have the ability to search by collector number, which is not in Japanese. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the artist so, yeah, is, people. if you could find a way to search by artist. Right, but if you just like, oh, this is Dissension and it's card 50, you can look that up. That's enough to find out what the card is. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's not in Japanese. It's not, it's not cl- on the Japanese right. cards, but it's written with... Uh, it's written in, in numerals that, that... I almost said humans could read. <laughs> <laughs> <That is, laughs> wow. Or maybe you angry emails, Brian? Right. You know, good job. <laughs> it's written in numbers that normal human normal. Pe- wow, I'm just gonna stop. It's written in numbers I can read. Yes, you um, can read. There you go. Yes, that I can read. Um, the the winner of that event was shocker, a guy from Japan. Oh, probably because he was like, oh, I know what my stuff does, and no one else does. Oh, uh, so uh a lot of gambling also uh after the event uh, now you mean going out in vegas and gambling not yes. there was gambling at the yes. event that, yes that you had yes. after the event was over i lost some money <laughs> i like to think that i made up for it in drinks but i lost some money so um just how the was whole it? drinks thing that really makes people think that like they're like but i got free drinks the whole time i'm like you lost like 80 bucks like <laughs> You didn't get eighty dollars, but not you. But like, oh, no. I have friends that did this. No, 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 no. I did not make my money back. No, um, some other judges did, but I did not. You know what I did? I hung out with my friend who was playing craps at the craps table, and we both got drinks. And I wasn't playing craps, so, so you I really won. you beat the system. <laughs> Figured it out. <laughs> it's pretty good. Like I definitely didn't lose money on gambling this was just unusual for me because i'll normally go play i'll go play poker and sometimes I come out ahead and sometimes i don't but um yeah I, I did not 
actually gamble this weekend or that weekend rather. So do we have? Any- I had a blast though. Yeah. I went to this we steakhouse met- called Craft Steak, probably the most expensive meal I have ever had. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine actually uh, took me out there and and paid for it. He was like, "You've never been to a good steakhouse. This is like the best steakhouse you'll ever go to." And and I'm gonna buy you dinner. And I'm like, "Okay, cool." We, he, I, I kid you not, he spent like five hundred dollars on both of us, Oof. and it was incredible. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're leaving there and you're like, eh, it's like not much better than Outback, then you know that's a big problem. <laughs> no, no, it was it was amazing. The um, Jess and I met. We had not actually met. Yeah. So that's a funny story. We met briefly. We didn't get to hang out together uh, very much, but not at all. The funny story is I'm standing looking at a pairings board and I hear from behind me, hey, I watch or I listen to JudgeCast all the time and I turn around to see who was talking to me, but no one was talking to me <laughs> because they were talking to Brian <laughs> oh. and it took a minute to figure this out. Yeah, that's and, that, that's, and that's how I, I uh, and that's how I realized Brian was there. And I was like, oh, hey, th- what's up? Yep. And so uh, the person that uh was talking to me the the weekend is a bit of a a bit of a blur but i believe it was uh jordan schaefer uh who was on my team uh who writes emails to us and he was he was at this uh, point it was uh it was actually a player i believe oh it was it was it was was, you're right and he asked us i'm checking myself now because i didn't write down his name so i don't remember it and I feel like a, a jackass because I don't remember his name. We do. I, I, I do as uh, well. And so uh, if you're listening, I am very sorry. I remember your face clearly. I don't remember your name. Send us an email and say, hey, Send I was that guy. Yeah. Who he uh, asked um, to sign his playmat. Yeah, that was, was really cool. cool. And they actually asked if CJ was there too. And unfortunately, well, CJ, fortunately, you were not there. So you didn't get to sign his playmat. Yeah. At this point, we've each met each other, but we have not all three met. Right. Yes. We need to arrange that at some point. Like maybe you guys should have applied to GP Oakland. Or maybe you should come to SCG Atlanta in September. Maybe you should. <laughs> the money's not there for an SCG event. To, I mean, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. The comp is great, but not to go across the country. Me and Brian are the money. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. Not to go. He's like, ah, Oakland. Pff, come yeah, on. That's a GP. Oakland. You're going to get foils. You don't get foils for SCG events. <laughs> but you get to meet us. So you make up for it. Yeah, that's well worth it. Right. I've met me. <laughs> it was great. I don't know. I didn't know where to go with after that statement. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, so tell, yeah. Was there anything else to talk about about Vegas? Or was I mean, it was just it was crazy fun. It was huge. Like each of the four sections was the size of a GP, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, like I would look out and I would see my section and that was the section I was in. And my brain told me, well, this is a GP. And then I realized there's like three more GPs going on. Right. Yeah, the pictures, I don't think the pictures could ever do it justice. Like, I don't think I can completely grasp the size of that GP. The, the pictures really don't do it justice. It was so insane. And there weren't nearly enough bathrooms. Yeah, I uh, can imagine. Like, the line for, there was one concession stand, and the line for that was backed up like 50 people at any given time. Right. Um, it, it was just it nuts. Was pretty bad. They did, for the judges on staff, um, they, they gave us priority. I guess because, you know, if we got in line for our breaks, our entire break would be in line waiting for food. Um, and outside the concessions, Jess, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, I heard players refer to it as the girlfriend couch, <laughs> which was absolutely hilarious. So like that's, right outside. That's kind of offensive, actually. Is it? Yeah. 
I'm not the one saying it. I'm just recounting. <laughs> no, I know that. I, I'm not saying you're being offensive. Okay, I'm saying, well, for but, like, but, but here's what it is. There was this long couch of just just you know women reading books and stuff like that who were completely disinterested in everything going on. They were just there because they had to be or they wanted to be or whatever, but they they were very disinterested in the event itself and they just camped out there. And it it, it was such an, uh, I'll call it an anomaly or I guess, you know, normally at any event you go to, there's always like one or two uh, women that are just there because their their boyfriend's there and they're not playing. So they're just kind of sitting over on the side entertaining themselves. But just the sheer magnitude of players, there was a lot more and they all kind of congregated in this one spot. It was kind of so. Yeah, that's that definitely can happen. Um, and I, I don't think I've seen very many uh, very many guys that are there because the girlfriends are there. But to be fair, I probably wouldn't notice them if they were like if there was a guy that was sitting there with a book, I wouldn't immediately think this guy's bored. I'd probably think, well, he's in between rounds. Right. Or he's waiting right. for a side event to fire. So, right. so I, I like I, I'm kind of curious as to how many there actually were, like what the ratio is. Um, but. That could definitely happen. Yep. So, Vegas. Yay. Well, so I don't think there was anything else about Vegas I wanted to bring up. Um, I might really. think of something a little bit later to no. just be like, "Oh, hey, and in Vegas." Yeah, I don't think anything else major happened. I mean, that's no. where um, uh, Josh Stansfield made level three, but I don't think anything else. No. Yeah, congratulations Nothing. to him. Yeah. Good job, Josh. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bienvenido a Miami. What? what? Being the Will Smith song, Welcome to Miami. Oh. Uh, oh, no idea. I'm sorry. I'm not that hip. Like, party all night while the beat is on. So, Miami that was this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, CJ Schrader and I were there. Yeah, we were. Yeah. We didn't get to see each other a whole, whole lot. No, we didn't. No. I wish we'd been on, like, the same team or something. We weren't. Oh, well. It was... I was on Team Florida. It was... It, it was it was very heavy uh, Floridians. Um, the judge conference was awesome. Before that, we had like 170 people register. Um, uh, there was a, a deck check. Pre- I did a deck check presentation on uh, both shifts. Uh, Aaron Stickney tried to do a uh, something new uh, with with uh, a customer service role play scenario. Um, it was kind of funny because he had all the judges, he had all these scenarios written up that we were going to act out. And one of the scenarios was he had a, a set up a registration station and then a bunch of the judges get in line and they were going to create some situations that for us to de- uh, deal with. <laughs> and I was playing the part of the head judge. And at one point I looked at one of the other judges who was playing the role of a judge. And I told him, I said, Go check the line because I have a feeling that some players are just going to get in the line just because it's a line. And sure enough, he goes off and he comes back. And he's like, found four. And it's like, all right. <laughs> um, so players are like, hey, what's this line for? Let's get in it. It must be something good. You should have just uh, said you were one of the artists. Yeah, here I am. Here, I'll, I'll draw. Sure, I'll draw something on your play mat. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, you don't want I'll me to judge draw on cast on there. You don't want me to draw it on your play mat. Uh, Aaron Stickney always has he always does unique things with his conferences like when he was uh, running a a seminar at when I was running the judge conference in Georgia mm -hmm. he I could not find his whole group 
for like 20 minutes. I, I looked all around the hotel. I don't know. He just took them all far away and I could not find them. And apparently he had them all holding hands and then trying to untie themselves like they were all knotted up. I don't know. It was weird. I didn't really get it. Yeah. Uh, they had Judge, Fu- Judge Feud, uh, Team Florida against Team International. Should we spoil it? Uh, or Because they should post uh, that online in the near future. Yeah, post, post it online. Uh, so I, I, I was on that. It was, it was funny. Yeah. It, it, uh, honestly, I thought it was going to be really lame. And I, and I think it went off better. Than I thought it would. It did. It went. Yeah. It went off really, really well. Uh, particularly because uh, so it was like a it was like a version of Family Feud, but with judges and judge related questions. Um, but particularly, it was Team Florida versus Team International, and a lot of people on Team International had never heard of Family Feud. Uh, the fact that you know, with that handicap, it still went off really well. Like I think right. I got right into it. I like. <laughs> I love that you guys did the stupid good answer, good answer that they always oh, do, yeah. even when it's really, really stupid answers. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the Miami event itself was 1,200 players, roughly. Yeah. A little so bit more. I got to hear nothing but, oh, a baby GP. Oh, such uh, a little JP, such a GP. And what's funny about that is the GP system wasn't even designed for that many players. Right. It was designed for like a maximum of like six to 800 players. Which is why we're having the problems with number of rounds and number of players that we have now. Right. I, I really think that somewhere between like a thousand to fifteen hundred is the sweet spot. You know, like if the, if you're prepared for it, then that that right there is anything anything more than that, and the uh, I think the player experience starts to break down. But you know, yeah, I could see that. But all in all, I feel like a GP Miami went very smoothly. Right. I, I really don't have much to talk. About. Ooh. I will talk about my ruling, though. Brian, you know about this one, I think. What's it? Oh, yes. This is um, the best ever. Because I'm curious about Jess's opinion on it, too. Um, I also have a crazy appeal as well. <laughs> yeah. So I go up to a player and he tells me that he's mull- he's had a mulligan like three times in a row and he's never getting lands. And he asks me to check his sleeves and also to shuffle the deck for him. And uh, I take the deck and I and I check the sleeves. And uh, as part of this, I do do a few practice shuffles just to make sure nothing weird's going on um but he couldn't even see me shuffling the deck but i hand it back to him and i say that you know i'm not going to shuffle his deck for him because i feel that he uh you know he's able to do it himself and it's not something it's to me it's kind of a slippery slope that you know i shuffle his deck then maybe someone else wants a judge to shuffle their deck and you know with 1250 people there i don't know i i didn't like i didn't want it to, to just keep happening did, so, you, did you ask him why he wanted you to shuffle his deck? I guess because he just thought he was unlucky. Like, like because that's the reason I'm probably saying no. Yeah. Um, if he wants me to shuffle his deck for, I'm trying to think of a legitimate reason here. Like, I have broken fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's fine. You know. Like, okay. Hey, it's round nine, and my carpal tunnel's acting up. Like, yeah. Also fine. Eh, sure. But it, um, it's just because he was unlucky, I think. So he wanted me to shuffle, and I'm like, mm, no, I'm not gonna spend time to it. So he's like, well, I'm pretty sure you're required to shuffle my deck. And I'm like, mm, I'm not. And he's like, appeal. So I got appealed. He appealed that? He appealed me refusing to shuffle his deck. So I had to go get the head judge and explain that one. Who okay. the head judge upheld me. Shuffle. So he didn't make me shuffle the deck. Wow, that's that's <laughs> awesome. What, who's the head judge for this event? Damien. Uh, uh, Damien Hiller. Hiller. Yeah. Hiller. Uh, I can imagine he was amused by this. I don't think he was. So, really not? Not at all? <laughs> I don't think he so, was. So check... You're gonna you're gonna love this. So on Sunday, I'm I'm head judge of the uh, 
Sunday stand, uh, Super Series standard event, right? So we're getting ready to start like round four, I think, maybe round five. And right as I'm about to, to start it, Judge comes running up because, again, this event is also far, far away from the scorekeeper station. Uh, Judge, comes running up, Judge comes running up, running up and says, don't start the event yet. We might have to do a repair or don't start the round yet. We might have to do a repair. Great. So I head back over to the scorekeeper station and they ask me uh, whether they want to do a repair or because a guy, his results got entered in incorrectly. And uh, the scorekeeper says, well, I can do a cascade uh, and it'll affect these four tables. And I go do that. Um, So he does a uh, he does a cascade and we get the four tables. And while they're printing off the, the, the match slips. I go back over there, give two tables to this judge, two tables to this judge, tell them not to start playing. And then I go over and, you know, tell the players to start the round. Uh, the judge comes, the, the floor judge comes up and says, I'm being appealed. And I'm like, what are you being appealed for? And he's like, I told them to stop playing or I told them not to play. They already started. <laughs> so I go over there and sure enough, they're like on turn three. They had just decided to start playing before uh, the match began. And so I'm explaining to them, no, this is this is this didn't happen. Uh, they started to play before. It doesn't count. It was just for funsies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting some of you actually used the word for funsies uh, when you explained it to the players. Did you, did you actually say no, that game was just for funsies Bet you did? I think in my head I probably did, but I don't think I actually did that. Oh. I'm going to say 80% certain I didn't actually use that word for funsies. <laughs> um, so I was just saying, you know, basically you guys began playing on your own before the uh, time was, uh, you know, the, the round began. And he's like, ah, oh, you guys haven't been announcing this. And I was like, yes, we have. I've been announcing them myself and I've been announcing them here, here and here. OK, in the area. And I've been shouting and everyone's heard me. And he's like, ah, I don't you know, basically the player got the nut draw. So while I'm so I basically say this game is over. And right as they say that they bring me both the old and I'm right there at the table. They give me the match slip, which I look at. and I'm like, all right. And then they go, this is us. And then I get the new match slip. It's them which again, is all, which is also them. Oh, man. Were they so upset? Then, uh, hold on. Well, they haven't destroyed their game state. So I get this, and my first thought is the repair, uh, the cascade didn't take or whatever. Right. We go back, we check. Sure enough, cascade took. Those guys just didn't have to. To they ended up not being actually affected. So then I went back and had to, you know, eat crow a little bit. I mean, at that point, I come back fully expecting them to have destroyed the game state, and then I'm going to have that awkward conversation. <laughs> Turns out they hadn't budged. Everything was out, hands, everything. And I was just like, uh, you have a nine-minute extension play on. At that point. Awkward. It was, it was, <laughs> yes. It was. Here, I, a, I've got one for call. you. They came up right. while, I was in, uh, while I was in Vegas and playing uh, my first round. Um, my opponent uh, has three spells with suspend that are exiled with time counters on them. Uh, one of them has only one time counter on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a Rift Bolt, and really it doesn't have any very good targets right now. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so he looks at his three Cascade spells. 
He ticks down the two that are not on one, looks at the one with with one counter left and goes, and I'll choose not to turn this one down. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on a second. I'm going to call a judge. And this confusion came because he misunderstood how casket or how uh, suspend works. Right. Um, he mm-hmm. thought that you could choose not to do it. Look, before I tell you what the judge's ruling was, I, I'm curious as to what you guys would do in this situation. Wait, you just called a judge immediately? Uh, he said, I'm going to choose not to cascade this one. He went to draw his card, or, and I stopped or, him or, and called the judge. You mean not cascade, but... Uh, sus- oh, sorry, suspend. Sus- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would tell him that he's not able to do that. And, I mean, just me personally, if I was a player, no, nah, you have to knock that. Uh, you have to take it down. And then if he says no, then call a judge. Well, no, I did call a judge. That's yeah. if you're the judge responding to this call, what do you do? Oh, because you're you're asking for in terms of penalties or something like that. Yeah, I just tell him to take it off. I mean, I tell him he has to, but no. Nah, well, court, per policy, so is, is, is it's a it's a it's a warning. You know, if he's just like, I'm not going to do this because I don't have to, and the opponent's calling a judge, yeah, that's going to be a warning. So, but uh, it's not. The, the miss the uh, suspend triggers are not detrimental. It doesn't matter. He didn't miss them. He just chose not to do the thing that they told you to do. Right. Like he acknowledged the trigger and then chose not to do what it instructed. That's a that's a GRV. It's not a miss trigger. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um. So the judge on the floor said what you guys first said, which is just put the counter up. And I was like, well, is there any infra- infraction oh, what or penalty? CJ first, what CJ first said. Right. Right. Uh, he said he said uh, he said no. There's there's not infraction. Uh, so there, there's not going to be a penalty. So I appealed and the judge that came over, uh, agreed with that and said, this is, uh, if this were a mistrigger, it would not be a detrimental trigger. So I'm not going to give a warning. And I went and talked to him about it later and they were like, well, I could have gone either way. And I'm like, I don't understand how that could go either way. Like it's clearly a GRV. And, um, so we had, we had a brief argument about that that didn't really have a resolution. Uh, but I just wanted your opinion on it because I think that this is a GRV and that he should get a warning, especially so, in a tournament that's 4,400, 4,500 people, uh, because that kind of thing needs to get tracked. Cause if you're trying to go, if every time you cast a rift bolt, you're trying to say, Oh no, I'll just wait on it and see if your opponent buys it and you're not so, getting warned. That could so be bad. There's a, there's a line in policy that says after you acknowledge, you know, if you acknowledge the trigger, okay, then, you know, further problems are treated as a GRV. And in this particular case, the trigger was acknowledged. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm convinced of GRV now. I'm saying I was wrong earlier. Okay. I, 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 I was just very surprised that I got a different response from the appeals judge. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying right now. It makes a lot of sense. There was a time when we could argue cheating for this. Um. Well, you still could, but I, I honestly don't think he was. He just didn't understand how suspend works. He, he seemed like a, a fairly new player right, to the game. But, you know, in the old days of whatever, it doesn't matter. How the rules used to be do not matter. Right. Uh, what else from GP Miami? I think that's about it. I was on just I was on day one and two. Didn't take too many rulings. Got appealed a couple times, but yeah. uh, the other one, the other appeal for me was uh, someone forgot to bring back their Aetherling after they exiled it. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, because it's a it's a zone change delayed trigger. Yep. So I was like, okay, well we're gonna bring it back. You know, it ain't gone. And uh, but the interesting thing there is it still has like summoning sickness, right? Because it was on the player who exiled it. He exiled it on his opponent's turn. Now it was his turn. Um, I don't know, because I always think of that rule as like the opposite at slash Geist of St. Trap rule. So when it came up, I was like, oh, there are other cards that this applies to. 
and the which important we thing talked to remember about there, in our episode. I'm sure we did. We the did. important thing to remember there is that the opponent will still choose whether that happens now or at the beginning of the next uh, uh, phase. Thingamajigger. Yes. Yes. Yep. Phase. Step. I think. Yes. Yeah, I think it's phase. step. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered on this one because it was first. Uh, it generally first, doesn't matter. Um. So. So yeah, I had I had a. Uh, my event on Sunday was like the troll event. Like the event just trolled me. <laughs> um, there, uh, I had, um, we had tardinesses that were like one round. They didn't announce over the intercom. Uh, this is, this is the side event on Sunday. They, there was one round that they didn't announce over the intercom, uh, or over the, the PA system, uh, that pairings were posted. Oh, so when we started the round, there were some players that were were tardy. And so we decided to uh, downgrade. Basically, they made the announcement. We, we fixed that. Um, but we decided to downgrade uh, the tardinesses. I mean, it's the whole, you know, we made a mistake. We're not going to penalize the players for that. You showed up. You made an effort. OK, well, it was also at the time where like the AM shift and the PM shift had come on and got over, you know, overlapped. So I was on break and David Hibbs was was the head judge for this event at at the time. And so they gave they gave the, the you know, they actually gave nothing. It was just here's your extension. Sorry. Um, uh, and that got appealed. So David took the call and it got actually reappealed after I came back from break. The player came up to me and he's like, I still want this game lost. <laughs> I was like. Uh, I still want my opponent to get this game lost because you said you were the head judge and this other guy gave the answer to the appeal. And I was like, uh, well, no, here's 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 what actually happened. And it was like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a fun, fun times. All right. But enough of those other events. We actually have a to- like a real topic that we wanted to talk about. No, no, nope. We have a lot no. of emails. We have a lot of emails. Oh, we're, are we punting on that? Because we, we are <laughs> talking about the other stuff. Yep. Oh, it'll be it'll be next episode. Can we, can we spoil it? Yes. We were going to talk about. I don't even remember at this point. Oh, we were talking we going to talk about steps to casting a spell. Yep. You've heard us talk about the longest bolt ever episode, but apparently CJ went back and listened to it and found that really that episode's not about that at all. They were just answering listener email. Yeah, it, you have to go 54 minutes into that episode to um, to hear about casting a spell. And around when we hit 54 minutes into this episode, I was like, OK, we should uh, we should make that the topic for next time. So this has really just been uh, uh, Vegas and Miami chit chats and then listener emails. Yep. OK. OK. Seems kind of non-informative. We talked about. I'm OK with that. They don't all have to be too informative. Plus, the emails are always informative. Sure. And we talked about some rulings. We talked about some events. Listen, you can't learn every episode. There you go. There's a, there's our there's our slogan, <laughs> JudgeCast. You can't learn every episode. Hopefully you'll learn something from the emails. <laughs> uh, we ready? Sure. Let's do it. Now, now you're all unexcited, Brian Prilliman. What? Oh, speaking of being excited, uh, Casey Brefka, he made L3 during um, Miami. He did. And I think he, I was told that his panel plus test took like two hours total, which seems pretty amazing. It's pretty I know good. none of us have experience with the panel or the test, but that seems pretty fast. No, I hear I hear two hours is, is pretty, pretty good for the panel plus the test. So, yeah, congrats to those guys. And I guess anyone else who made level three this past week. 
All right, our first email comes from Christopher Meyer. Uh, You're enjoying that. He said, I saw this board state in a Jundmare and wondered if the following situation was possible. Anthony controls an Olivia Voldarn and a Huntmaster of the Fells. Nancy controls two Huntmaster of the Fells. Not legendary. It is Anthony's upkeep, and since no one casts a spell on Nancy's turn, all Huntmasters trigger. Anthony puts his on the stack, then Nancy orders hers on the stack. Can Anthony then use both of Olivia's abilities on the Huntmaster that is on top of the stack, stealing it, flip it when it's uh, evolve or not evolve? Um, oh, it doesn't have a word. The werewolf ability. What, what do we call it? Transforms. Uh, transform. transform. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, steal it with the uh, transform ability on the stack, flip it, and when his abilities resolves, kill Nancy's last Huntmaster. Does that work? Who are you kind of poking at here for this one? Who do you want to take this? You. Um, I, I actually answered the email for this, so Which I'll, why I'll go ahead you. and take it. Um, so there are actually two questions here. The first one is that uh, regarding the the Olivia and the Huntmaster. Um, I'm sorry, did you talk about the second question yet? No, not yet. Okay, so there's only one question here. <laughs> um, and that is that if you take, it, it, in response to the trigger, if you take the Huntmaster of the Fells with Olivia, it is still going to transform. Um, it, the transform does not require that you control the permanent in order to, for it to transform. So even though you don't control the triggered ability that's making it transform, it will still transform. And then when it transforms, the second triggered ability makes you, who now controls the Huntmaster, uh, deal the two damage to target player and two damage to up to one creature that player controls. So, yes, it works exactly as intended. Yeah. So theirs will never get to uh, transform because it is already dead. Yep. For some reason, I want to keep calling transform evolve for some reason. Like you evolve into a werewolf. Because it's it's Pokemon. You're thinking Pokemon. Oh, maybe. Uh, He also asked us about a an M14 spoiler called Colossal Whale. Uh, I think the short of it is we will most likely discuss that when we have the M14 FAQ. But it has a non-standard templating. That. Uh, how about how about it works like Porculus? It probably works like Porculus, <laughs> but we don't know for sure. No, actually, it doesn't because Porculus sets up a, a delayed. I think it sets up a delayed trigger. Right. But yeah. Um, so it'll probably work similarly, at least uh, in terms of you get the guys back because he, he's basically asking if the unsummon trick if the unsummon trick works. Okay, so. Uh, like it would you know, with, uh, with like fiend, say hunter. fiend hunter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not gonna. Yeah, I, and I believe that is the case. I, I believe their main goal here is to remove the the so called unsummoned trick. Yeah. Which when so I learned this... it, it was a journey to nowhere trick. Oh, I had in Miami in the side event. I had an awesome call. So a judge, you know, judges were on break. So I'll, as head judge, I'm still on the floor and I come up and the player starts off is like, so, you know, the fiend hunter exile trick, right? And I'm just like, is there a rules question I can help you with? And he's like, right. And then he starts trying to explain this really, really complicated interaction. And I don't get a good feeling that he knows he's knowing what he's talking about. Yeah. It takes a little bit of time to actually drill down into the, the real root of the question. But basically he wanted to having a fiend hunter that has previously exiled a uh, uh, a Luxodon smiter. He wants to cast a restoration angel, blinking the fiend hunter, and stacking the triggers in such a way as to leave the Luxodon smiter exiled permanently. Uh, yeah, no, you can't do that. No, nope. You got to put the target when it goes on the stack. 
Right. And so, and it's uh, so that 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 Luxodon Smiter is uh, is coming back, uh, regardless. But yeah, just just he's just trying to get it into a question that I could actually answer was a little tough. Because then it starts, you know that trick I'm trying to do, right? Yeah, and I, I've heard that too, where people don't exactly they know it exists, but they're not sure how to do it. Right. I know a lot of things. Let's drill down into what question you're asking about, really. All right. Our next email from Justin Ricks. He's from Gainesville, Florida. Do you know him, Brian? Uh, sounds familiar. I would believe so. Yes. Actually, he's on our Facebook group. Yeah, I would just say yes, because he probably knows who you are, and then you don't know who he is, so you look like a like a jerk. Like a schmuck. Like a schmuck. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I look like a jerk anyway, right? He says he's a level one from Gainesville, Florida, and he, too, has learned a ton from our show. He says he enjoys them all, and he says thanks for all the hard work and dedication you put into such quality episodes. I've met this guy. Then he writes, okay, wow, that was tougher than I thought it would be to write. I think he's making fun of us. I think he is. What a jerk. He's the schmuck. Kissing butt. I like it. Um, so in a previous email, we talked about how uh, someone had an issue with, like, they believed that you could only respond to things from Restoration Angel if somebody played something on the instep. Uh, wait, what did I say? You can only respond to things in the instep if somebody, if the opponent played a card or something like that. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, he just emailed us to say that on MTGO, if you don't have your stop set in the instep, it kind of works exactly this way. And maybe that's where that understanding came from. That is a distinct possibility. That is a distinct possibility. We also have an email from iTunes support where they fail to listen to what I request them to do every time. Lots lots of emails. from. And they just keep replying to me and saying the same thing over and over again. And they're driving me insane. So we continue not to have the podcast on iTunes for now. Next email comes from. I'm so frustrated with them right now. This complaining about iTunes brought to you by quiet speculation dot (laughs) com. Uh, it's like reverse sponsorship. It is actually. Next email from Max. Max. Bitch. Max Power. And he has a Boros fist. It's like his little icon. It's sweet. Max Bender. All right. He says if you activate Gideon Juro's zero ability, then use Sundial of the Infinite to keep him a creature. So Sundial of the Infinite just ends the turn. Then, then time stop during your opponent's turn. Then activate Gideon's first ability, which says all creatures able to attack him must do so. Then activate Sundial again. Won't your opponent? attack a creature that was that was his question uh, what i love about it there's no preamble there's nothing after that it's just boom does this happen yeah uh no um so when when sundial infinite when you end a turn um what you really do is you go to the cleanup step okay the game still needs that to happen yeah okay so effects that last until end of turn wear off and the reason there's still a cleanup step is is mostly for damage actually if uh if you had um, right. damage last th- through to the next turn, that would be very confusing. If a creature had damage on it, like my creature, my three three takes two damage, and then I sundial uh, the infinite, and then you go, okay, well I'm going to deal one more damage to it to kill it. That that doesn't work. Uh, and the reason that doesn't work is because there's a cleanup step. Right. And so uh, uh, damage is removed from creatures at the same time as effects that last until, you know, until end of turn or that that last this turn. Uh, and so the, the final note here is it is possible to do what he's trying to do here through uh, like stuff like liquid metal coating and March of the Machines to make Gideon a creature and also have the situation where the opponent's creatures must attack him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this actually works with every planeswalker. Well, no, because yeah. of the. Or if I turn if I turn Gideon into a creature and then you steal it for whatever reason, I can attack. You know, not necessarily the ability, but I can choose to attack Gideon. Right. So you know, and in which case I'm attacking both a planeswalker and a creature at the same time. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the main point is there's no rules stopping you from attacking a a planeswalker. Planeswalker. Yeah. Like you can always attack a planeswalker no matter what other types he might have. It is a little weird though. Next, we have a question about my buddy Aetherling from Aetherling. Aetherling is your buddy? Yeah, my buddy who I had to answer the ruling on earlier. I don't think this guy's name is Nick Harrison Fergus, Ontario, but it might be. Or it might be that he's from Fergus, Ontario. Why don't you research that then? No. There. All right. Nick says, I started listening to the show about a month ago. Love the show. And I find it. Find it to help me to get through the long days. <laughs> at Walmart. At Wal- at my dull job at Walmart. Maybe. It's entertaining and inflatable. That, what? It's. <laughs> I don't know. I, I read it twice before actually saying it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So his questions with Aether Ling. Uh, he says he was playing a casual game of standard with his friend, and he made his Aetherling unblockable, and he had five mana open. Uh, the opponent was at nine, and I think he says in response to damage, but I guess he means at the only the latest possible opportunity, which would be the declare blocker step. Could he pump the Aetherling for five and kill the kill his opponent, or would his uh, Aetherling die? So basically, he's saying could he make the Aetherling a nine zero and kill his opponent? Uh, no, no. <laughs> So so basically what's going to happen is once once you block, once blockers are declared or in this case, because it's unblockable, you know, not declared, but you still go through the you still go into the phase. Uh, you have the ability to pump pump your uh, your Aetherling. And since it's a four or five, you can activate its ability to give it to give it plus one minus one, you know, all you want. And by all you want, I really mean four, because once it gets up to an eight one, you pump it anymore um it's going to become a nine zero now the game still checks for state-based actions before we move into the combat damage step and when it checks for state-based actions one of those things if you listen to our episode for state-based action robots uh you'll know that state-based actions are checked before we move before the game continues and nine and one of the state-based actions is if a creature has zero or less toughness you just pick that sucker up and put him in the graveyard. And so your Aetherling becomes a dead Aetherling. And you make the womp womp sound. And uh, the womp womp sound. Womp womp. And also to clarify, you cannot respond to damage. Because that, that was what was written in the email. Damage does not use the stack and has not for many years. Nope. It cannot be responded to. All right. All right. Next, from John Kovac. Kovach. Kovach. Uh, he has a question about our Mastering Modern Masters episode. He says, in this episode, you guys discuss the interaction between minus one, minus one counters and creatures with modular. I think that you said that the modular ability would still trigger on a creature with minus one, minus one counters, allowing a player to move all the plus one, plus one counters to another creature when the first dies. If I understood you correctly, I am confused. And that is indeed what we said. It's mm-hmm. also confusing. <laughs> it is confusing. Yes. Um, but that's just the way it is. Uh, then he, he goes on to explain his understanding of what should happen, but it is incorrect. So, unfortunately. so here's so here's basically what I think. I think the because I, I, I answered this email, so I I think I figured it out. Um, so I think what he's thinking is if I attack with, say, a zero zero, 
that has three plus one plus one counters on. So it's a three three and you block with a two two with wither. Okay. Uh What you actually do is you just remove two plus one plus one counters. Okay. That's the action that you do. And that's actually not what happens. Um, because that's that's the short that's a shortcut that people do because that actually is the the end result. What the game actually does is it's got the the, the creature has the three plus one plus one counters in it. The the two damage that it takes from withers actually adds two minus one minus one counters on it. Okay, so now we have a total of five counters on this creature. Uh, state based actions are checked and. Like matter and antimatter, the plus one plus one counters and the minus one minus one counters explode each other and go poof. Um, they explode each other. Funny, I'm jumping back to Vegas or not to Vegas to Miami. I actually had a ruling um, where someone asked me, he's like, "Hey, what happens when a, a token creature goes back to your to your hand? Does it get exiled? Does it die? Does it go to the graveyard? What happens to it?" And I go, and I answered, "It goes poof." And he said, what? I said, it goes poof. He's like, can you explain? I go, yeah. Uh, State-based actions will cause the token to cease to exist uh, when they're checked in. It's in your hand. He goes, oh, you mean poof. (laughs) Yes, I mean poof. And he's like, oh, okay. And they continue on their merry way. So the story became, uh, it goes poof. Poof? Yes, poof. Oh, poof. Poof. Tuck, 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 Anyway, so Do you um, know how long it took me to make that tuck tuck sounder, by the way. Well, you put so many tuck tuck. I wasn't expecting that many tuck tucks. <laughs> I think it's what, 37 seconds of tuck tuck? It's a lot. It's a lot of tuck tuck. <laughs> it's a lot of tuck tucks. <laughs> you could probably get about a good five to eight seconds of tuck tucks out of this episode, too. It took me like an hour and a half, I think. <laughs> that's really? a lot. Of, that's a lot. Because I basically had to listen to the whole show again. Dude, just like 10 seconds of tuck tuck would have been plenty. No. No, once I hit like 20 seconds, I was like, I got to keep going. <laughs> it became, you got to just power through that period of time. All, this Not funny. all right. Okay. Next so anyway, oh. hold on. So we got to finish. So if you have a creature that, that has uh, three plus one plus one counters, and now it's hit with three minus one minus one counters, there is a period of time before we go into check state based actions, there's a total of six counters on it. Three plus one plus one counters, three minus one minus one counters on it. State-based actions are checked. The game wants to do two things. It wants to explode the counters, and it wants to put a creature with zero toughness in the graveyard because it does have zero toughness, okay? So the game tries to do both, and they're done immediately, and they're done simultaneously. So before we check state-based actions, I have a creature with six counters on it. Three plus one plus one counters, three minus one minus one counters, okay? And then after... State-based actions are checked. I have a dead creature in the graveyard. So the game sees, hey, when it looks back, it sees right before it died, I had three plus one plus one counters on me. Right. The last also, time it existed on the battlefield, it had both the plus one plus one and the minus one minus one counters. Yep. Next email. Next email. All right. So he's talking about a spoiled card, but I'm actually going to talk about this email because there's a couple things I want to say about it. So first, he says, I will start off with the buttering up. I greatly enjoy your podcast as it helped me to become the rules guy for my store, often helping out our level one judge, who's also the TO and cashier, etc. Also, whose email, whose email are you reading? Andrew Brokaw. Did I not say oh, that? Oh, you, you missed, uh, okay. No, I'm still reading it. No, you, after John Kovac, there was uh, another email in between. Uh, from, from Jordan? We could probably talk about that after this email. So. Oh, okay. Just keep going. Um, 
Also, thank you for the Read Modern Masters episode. I have not been playing long. Uh, he says he started at the Mirrodin Besiege pre-release, so some of these mechanics were new to me. He also is saying congratulations to some of the people who made level 3 over the past couple of weeks. He says, I'm looking forward to trying the rules change with M14, but in the meantime, I had a question. Well, two questions about a recently spoiled card, and that card is Stryonic Resonator, which has two mana tap, copy target triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Here's why I love this card, because it's, it's an effect I don't think we've ever seen in Magic, but I love the card because it has reminder text for what a triggered ability is. And I think with like trigger policy the way it is, I think something out there that a lot of people will see that explains what a triggered ability is is actually really important. Maybe I'm crazy about that though. Um, I think I think that's okay. Yeah, it's not a bad thing by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. So, so okay. So yeah. his first question is what happens when you copy Angel Serenities uh, into the battlefield trigger and then this angel dies? Uh, the truth is we don't know for sure what happens when you copy a linked triggered ability. Well, most most of the rules right now, it's best, it talks about when you're copying pairs of linked abilities and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we could take an educated guess, but we're not gonna. <laughs> it would return. You know, for a core set, this has a lot of new things going on. It well, yeah, well, this, these are the big M14 rules changes, you know. So I guess they're just doing them all at once. Yeah. Uh, but he has a second question, and he says, "What happens if you use Resonator to copy a Pithing Needles into the battlefield ability?" Uh oh. Hey. Here's why I like that it has reminder text. So Pithing Needle reads, as Pithing Needle enters the battlefield, name a card. Activated abilities of sources with the chosen name can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. Note that the words win, whenever, or at were not in those words at all at any point. Yep. At and as aren't the... So as something enters the battlefield is not the same as when it enters the battlefield. Right. So Pithing Needle does not have a trigger, so Strionic Resonator has nothing to interact with. You're talking about the email from Jordan Schaefer? Uh, there is an email from Jordan. Okay. Uh, it's, it must be in a different order on your screen than my screen. Oh, okay. All right. He says, hey, JudgeCast. First of all, I want to say thanks to all your hard work and dedication. Listening to JudgeCast is one of the things that pushed me from an interested L0 to actually taking the test and becoming L1. What? I recently judged my first large event, GP Vegas. I love that statement. Yeah, my first, first large event. event. Like, like most people would say their first large event, they mean like a PTQ, like yeah. 120 players. Yeah. <laughs> This thing was 40 of those. And he says, and I was wondering if you guys could touch on how you go about drawing the line between answering a player's question versus not being able to answer the question and making them restate the question versus answering exactly what they ask when you know it's not probably what they meant to ask, etc. I have judged a lot of regular REL, and there's a lot more leniency than at competitive REL. Are there any specific guidelines you follow, or is it more of a gut feeling you get from having more experience? Uh, oh, he also says he got Brian Prillman with a boom tube at GP Vegas. Well, he did. He claims he did, but he says it fell out of his, it fell out of your pocket, Brian. So that's not getting you. Uh, I mean, it was in my pocket. I think I found one at one point. Oh. I mean, if it goes in my pocket, then it counts. And also, he's ex- also excited for some of the people who made level three over the past two weeks. Yay! Yeah, Yay. good on Bimmerbot. Good on Bimmerbot. Good on Bimmerbot. Uh, so you know what? Let's let's start because I didn't even write out a response to him because I figured this is a better thing to discuss than anything else. Um, why are we able to answer more or give out more information at regular REL when answering a question than we are at competitive REL? And I'm kind of cheating because I just sat through a seminar about this exact topic. So I'm just it has to do with the focus of regular REL. What regular REL is as opposed to competitive REL, right? Like our focus is education of players. Rather than right. than correctness of play. Yeah, 
That's right. definitely part of it. Um, and then so, the other thing that comes up is at uh, regular REL, derived information is free information. So we also have, right. we're also able to give a lot more information, you know? Right. We can tell you how big that Tarmogoyf is. Right. So so when when you when you come across a situation and players ask things, um, you do you do want to clarify the the question that they're asking. Um, can you, you know, w- one of the questions that gets drilled into your head, you know, what is it? What is the rules interaction that you need that you want information about? Uh, is 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 a is a good go to line to use. I mean, sometimes you can get the vibe that the player what the player wants, but if he asks you a very direct question, you know, can I name a mountain with pithing needle? You know, we just talked about pithing needle. Right. The answer is yes. Yes. And this is great at the panel, the Q and A panel. Um, uh, you, know, you really don't. I mean, you know what the guy's asking. I mean, he really, the real question is, you know, is he going to be able to not tap his mount, his lands for mana if I name this? I mean, that's the real question. But he asked you a very direct question. And he answered it. So the Q and A panel. One of the things Jared Silva said that just it was a chuckle, but he said like, if you ask a judge a question and they answer it and then they don't leave, yeah. Ask another question because <laughs> he's sticking around for a reason. Yeah. Um, and normally he's sticking around for when you do the thing that you just asked about, he's sticking around to handle the confusion of the fallout. Um, that's going to result from that. Uh, so, yeah, so you, you definitely want to avoid uh, uh, giving information. Um, I will tend to err on side of i guess just not wanting to appear judges to appear stupid you know the whole the whole uh like i'm gonna i'm gonna try and phrase my questions in such a way like the whole the whole like hmm, uh, hmm, where you're just like trying to figure out how you can answer just to ask them a few questions get them to clarify what they want uh ask them what specific rules you know get into a question that you can actually answer don't him and haw though just Drive them, drive them to where you uh, uh, drive them to the point where they're asking you a real question that you can answer. It might not be exactly, you know, you know that they want to be asking another question, but they're asking a specific question. Answer it. Yeah, that's and that's hang out. And hang out if there's if there's if there's you know if you know that I mean you oh I do gotcha moments though are, are kind of awkward, but they are occasionally going to happen because you just can't tell them like the dude. You know, hey, you know how this fiend hunter trick works, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's the question you got, bro? I mean, I've definitely I've told this story on the podcast before. I think I have. Yeah, I definitely have because I had to ask what the card was then. And I have to ask what it is now. But it's the four one that you can sack a creature and make it indestructible. And if it's a human, he gets plus one plus one plus counter. Mm-hmm. What's the name of that card? Uh, aristocrat. Vampire. Yeah. Something like that. No. Fuck. So I I got called to a table and a guy had that out and he asked me, you know, and then the opponent was targeting which I just live and he asked me if I sacrifice a creature, will the aristocrat become indestructible? And I'm like, no, this is not the question you want to ask. But that was, you know, that was a direct question. And the answer to that is, yes, the creature will become indestructible. And then I had to do the whole hang around and wait thing because I knew that was about to go poorly. Um, 
Then at GP Miami, I had basically the same situation. Tragic slip on the stack. But the guy says, if I sacrifice a creature, will the aristocrat still die? And I was like, yes. You know, and it sucks to kind of be in a gotcha moment. But at the same time, I can't give strategy advice. I can't prevent someone from making play mistakes. Right. That's always an awkward situation. I I actually had, what was it, a, a call, also dealing with aristocrat, um, trying to, tr- trying to, reconstruct the scenario and the guy cast mutilate okay mm-hmm. and so i didn't when i'm when i'm trying to explain what's going on um you know and and this effect is on the stack and this effect is on the stack and it was just like the guy had like seven swamps in play he could have saved his creature and i was like okay so we have a mutilate it's on the stack for some amount of x and, you know, because I'm not going to be like for seven. Uh, yeah. That, and then the guy was just like, then the guy was like, well, you don't have to be, you know, he's just like, well, you don't have to be smug about it. I can count how many swamps he's got in play. And I was like, yes, thank you. But I can't count for you. So I have to be <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he thought I was he thought I was being mocking. And um, no. Anything else we want to say about that topic? No. Good. Yeah, unfortunately, the uh, seminar I was in was not recorded, so it was it was pretty good on the topic. Our last email comes from Jackson Wayne. He says, hi, obligatory. I love the show and have listened forever and anticipate each new episode as though it was my first date. Oh, baby. I like this guy. He uh, Yeah. Anyway, random EDH question. My first opponent base. exiled my Mox Diamond with Karn Liberated. He then restarted the game with Karn's minus 14. What happens when the game restarts in regard to the Mox? I really have no clue this time. Thanks, P.S. Moxie, 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 Moxie. Yeah. So Mox Diamond, the relevant part is uh, if Mox Diamond would enter the battlefield, you may discard a land card instead. If you do, put Mox Diamond onto the battlefield. If you don't, put it into its owner's hand. All that basically means is you have to discard a land when you play Mox Diamond. Um, And then the important part about Karn is you restart the game and then you bring everything exiled with Karn back into play. Jess, do you want to step us through what happens here? So, I mean, yeah, I, I can do that. So, I mean, I hate card questions with, like, these old legacy cards because I'm not familiar with any of them, even the boxes. Um, but, so, I mean, he's restarting the game with Karn. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you do is you you take all of the, the exiled permanents that are not auras and you set them aside. All, all the ones that were exiled with Karn. Right. Uh, and you set them aside. Um, and then you restart the game as you normally would, with the exception that those cards are set aside. And then you draw your opening hands and mulligan as normal. And then you put the exiled permanence into play and restart the game. So, I mean, I'm not really seeing what the the confusion is here other than, um, you know, you, you still have to do the triggered ability. It's it just triggers and goes on the stack. It's a at, at the beginning of the replacement. It's a replacement effect? Yeah. Oh, if it, it would. Time. If it would. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, So, um, oh, this is way more interesting than I thought it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think that you actually do have to discard a land or put it in your graveyard. But I could be wrong about that. No, I, I think that's, I think it's 100%. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure you do. Uh, you don't have to do it until after you've decided whether or not you're keeping your opening hand. Right. That's That's the important thing here. But yeah, you definitely definitely do yep. um, have to do that. Yeah, so that's interesting. It's it's not much different than if you played it from your hand. But I can see where his confusion might be 
but like just like you just broke it down step by step and once you see that you know you're actually done with mulligans and just about to begin the game at that point so sorry this, i thought it was a triggered ability i apologize yeah so well. this is so this is kind of interesting because when you cast mox diamond okay it's on the stack and if you don't discard a, a land then uh mox diamond just goes from the stack to the graveyard in this particular case it's going from, it goes exile, from the exile zone to the exile zone to the graveyard so it's it's neat <laughs> but ultimately you don't get it womp womp yeah if it was a trigger it'd be pretty nuts huh you just play it, use the mana, you just basically lotus pedal it. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, and another email from Apple asking for me to fill out a survey, which I will. Will that survey say, you suck? It will say, you have not, you are not listening to my complaints. Survey says. <laughs> yeah. How is our, ex- rate our experience on a scale from one to, I hate you die in a fire. It's on a scale of, is my podcast on your service yet? No? Okay. <laughs> it's been months. So frustrated. All right, guys. Any, anything else you all want to add? Got nothing we... else. No. No more, no. no more complaints about Apple? No. No, no complaints about Apple. All right. Oh, if you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Or you could go to our website at judgecast.com. Um, we are also, of course, at MTGCast, but it's not MTGCast.com slash JudgeCast, so I don't want to say that one. I want to thank all the listeners for listening. Uh, we actually got through the whole episode with the troll we're pulling, and my name's Cedar Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Furlan. I keep it all three. Woo! <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stay on that. What are you crazy, young blood? You hit on that. Or like young hit, blood. Like young blood.